And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. But last Sunday, while we were here worshiping, while we were praising God and having church last Sunday in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, an assassin gunned down and killed three police officers. He wounded three more. This week in a Midwestern state, I believe it was Missouri, I could be wrong, but in a Midwestern state there was another police officer killed, shot, dead in the line of duty. On Friday, nine people were killed by an assassin with a gun in Germany. Many more were injured. And yesterday, did you see in the news in Afghanistan, three suicide bombers killed over 80 people and injured over 260 more people. And folks, it's apparent to me that we're living in the last days. In fact, Paul said to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, he says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. They'll have a me first attitude. They'll be lovers of money, boastful and proud and abusive and disobedient to their parents and ungrateful and unholy and without love and unforgiving and slanderous and without self-control, brutal and not lovers of the good and treacherous and rash and conceited and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power and we're living in the last days and you know at some point in time God is going to wrap this thing up and Jesus Christ is going to come back but Jesus said this about the last days in Luke chapter 26 verse 26 read this aloud with me come on everybody use your best voice I want us to to ring the rafters here we go men's hearts will fail them from fear say it again men's hearts will fail them from fear he says in the in the last days people are going to be having heart attacks and strokes and panic attacks and they're not going to know which what which way to go. They're going to be abusing drugs and alcohol. They're not going to be able to sleep at night. Things are going to be difficult. He says men's hearts are going to fail them from fear. But folks, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 tells me that God has not given his children. God has not given Christian believers, people that I love that song we sang. I loved all the songs we sang today. In our in our you know, for us to, to be searching for a new worship pastor, I just think Brother Norm and our team are doing a fantastic job. Amen. I loved it this morning. We started singing, stand in. Josh, where are you, buddy? Stand in, stand in on the promises of Christ, my Savior. Man, it's good stuff. When you stand on the Word of God... You know the 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. I, I can't help what's happening to the person on my left and on my right. I can't help it if my neighbor has a spirit of fear. But as for me and my house, we're not going to put up with fear. And today, I, I want to share with you very simply how to develop a strong 
faith in God. And this is just an introductory lesson. You need, you need to come to all, get all this series to really, to really grasp what I'm going to teach. But in Ephesians chapter 2 and in Romans chapter 10, we find a blueprint for exercising faith in God. And there's a principle that we're going to draw out of these scriptures, a principle that every person needs to learn. And here it is. Let's put it on the screen. The same way you exercise faith to be saved and to have a relationship with Jesus Christ is the same way you exercise faith in God on an ongoing basis. I'm going to say that again, okay? The same way that you exercise faith to be saved and to have a relationship with Jesus Christ is the same way you exercise faith in God on an ongoing basis. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Let's read this aloud and loudly together. Here we go. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We're saved by grace through faith. And yet, if you and I went and did a man-on-the-street interview, if we went, Stephen is here today, and, and he, he's... In fact, we've got, we've got a couple of uh, uh, on, on-air anchors from the ABC affiliate here with us this morning. Welcome. If you guys want to, come on, give them a hand of applause. Yeah. If, if, if these guys went out on the street and they had, had their, they, they, they had a producer with them and they had a cameraman and they're, they're just stopping people saying, in your opinion, what does it take to get to heaven? You know what people would say? They'd say, well, you got to be a real good person. You got to, boy, you can't kill anybody. You can't rob a bank. You got to pay your taxes. You got to, you know, you you, got to be responsible, you know, and and it would all be about what we can do. But look at what this scripture says. It says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, not based on your goodness, because the Bible says our goodness is like filthy rags, not based on your goodness. That not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You know, for years, I didn't grasp this. I thought to make it to heaven, I had to be a super good person. That I had to live a sanctified, set-apart life in order to be saved. And so I would do my best. And I thought I was saved because of what Christ accomplished on the cross. And by my determination to live good for Him. And one day, it hit me between the eyes that my determination to live good for Him always falls short. Because Romans 3 says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. One day I was preaching on Romans 3 and I came to that portion that says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I kept saying before, I I didn't mean to, but I said all have sinned and have fallen shorts. (laughs) I didn't mean to say that. But it, but 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 it's true. See see, everybody's born with a sin nature. Everybody's born with something inside you that you intend to do good, but it holds you back. There's a basic selfishness. There's a basic sin nature, and the only price that could ever be paid for our sin nature was the death of God Himself on the cross, where Jesus became sin in the flesh, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. 
Romans 10 describes the process by which we place our faith in the grace of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, read this aloud and loudly with me. It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, for a person to come to Christ, what does he have to do? Does he just confess with his mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord? Well, that's important, but here's what I've noticed over the years. I've prayed with a lot of people. We used to go, when we lived in Virginia Beach, we used to go out on the boardwalk on Friday nights and we would share our faith. We would share tracts. And, and I noticed that some people would pray with me to receive Christ just to get me off their back, just to get me away from them. They weren't sincere. They didn't mean it a bit. They were just, okay, I got to get rid of this guy. So, 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 so let me, let, let me go ahead and get this over with. See, how do you get saved? First, you got to believe something, okay? Something's got to be going on in your heart. You've got to believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead. You got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God raised in power. And you got to believe that Jesus is Lord. He is the creator of heaven and of earth. And then, once you get your belief right, then you start speaking with your mouth Jesus Christ is my Lord he is my Savior everybody agree with that starts with belief and then you get your speaking in line with what you're believing but the question is how do you get the belief to start with where does that come from well I'm glad you asked because Romans 10 17 says so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You, you, you come to a, to a meeting like this and you hear somebody like me preaching the gospel or you hear somebody teaching the gospel or maybe your best friend sits down with you and shares the gospel with you or, or maybe you're reading the scripture for yourself but at some point in time what you're reading you come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You come under the convincing. That's what conviction means. The convincing of the Holy Spirit and he begins to convince your heart that Jesus is indeed God become flesh, that Jesus did indeed die on the cross for you, that you, as good as you try to be, no, doesn't matter how many good New Year's resolutions you come up with, they're not going to be good enough to, to see you through. It's going to take a power greater than you. It's going to take the power of the cross. It's going to take the power of the empty grave. It's going to take the power of the resurrection. It's going to take the power of of our Lord Jesus Christ who shed his blood as the payment for all our sins to save us. And that becomes knowledge down deep on the inside. And you have this knowledge and then you confess, I need God in my life. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Mm, 45 years ago. Everybody say that was a long time ago. Then say, Pastor, you're getting kind of old. But you're looking good. Come on. <laughs> you're you're kind of old, but you're looking good. 45 years ago, I attended a service at First Baptist Church here in Tallahassee, Florida, the corner of College Avenue and Duval Street. And David Wilkerson preached this gospel. 
and I heard him talk about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I got convicted in my heart. And when he gave the altar call, I'm sitting up high. If you've ever been in that church, it's got a balcony that runs along both sides of the church. And I'm up in the balcony. And he gives the altar call. And I didn't walk. I said, excuse me. And I began running. And I had to run down to the to the stairwell and come down the stairwell. And then I had to, had to make my way back down the aisle. And I ran down there because I was hungry. I wanted Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins. I wanted my name written in the Lamb's book of life. And I'm so glad that Jesus had mercy on me and God had grace on me. Because if anybody needed God's grace, it was me. If anybody needed God's forgiveness, it was me. Hallelujah. What did I do? I believed in my heart that God had raised Christ from the dead. I believed in my heart that Jesus Christ is the king of the universe. I believed in my heart that he was the Lord and could forgive me of my sins. And I said, Jesus, forgive me. God, forgive me. I need to be cleansed. I need to be made new on the inside. Jesus Christ, I make you my Lord. How many of you know it doesn't do any good to have a belief that doesn't say anything? Somebody said, all it takes in this world for evil to prevail is for good men to do and say nothing. Folks, it doesn't do any good for you to have a belief and not say anything. It doesn't do any good for you just to have a positive mental attitude. I'm not preaching this morning positive mental attitude, although I'd rather be around a positive person than a negative person. I'm not preaching mind over matter. Christian science is about thinking and believing enough so that your, your mind can, can actually shape what this world is. And, and the mind is incredible. But I'm not preaching mind over matter. What I'm preaching doesn't come from the head. It doesn't come from the mind. It comes from the heart. It comes from the spirit. Because when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, he comes to live on the inside. He comes to live in your born again, recreated human spirit. I've got a friend who lives in Virginia today, and his name is David. And God has blessed David, given him a successful life. My friend David completed his Ph.D. at Michigan State University. And about 10 years after that, he was named the president of Asbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky. And he was president at Asbury for about five years. And then he became the president of Regent University in Virginia Beach. And, and David today is still on faculty at Regent University. But, folks, David's life wasn't always successful. He was born to a mom and dad in Toronto, Canada. His dad was an alcoholic, and David said that his dad would be at home for about a week and then would disappear for up to three months at a time. They would not hear a word from him. And David said his mother was suffering with mental illness. And David told me, he says, when I was about 11 years old, he said he was 11 years old and he came home from school one afternoon and he was hungry. He wanted something to eat, and then he knew he had some homework to do. And his mother was standing on the front porch, had a little battered suitcase packed up with all his belongings and said, here, David, this is no longer your home. You're just like your old man. You're no good. Get out of here. And he's tried to reason with her. But mama, she says, get out of here. How many of you know you can get sick in the head just like you get sick in your stomach? And she wasn't thinking right. That's what was going on. 
So that night, David slept at a neighbor's house, and the next night, he slept at another neighbor's house, and the third night at somebody else's house, and, and that went on for, for several weeks, and finally, a family in Toronto heard about him, and they had a lot of children themselves, but they asked David to come and join their family, and they never adopted him, but they raised him as their own child, and this family went to something called church. And they took David to church and David said he learned about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He learned that Jesus had died on a cross for his sins. And David said that the more he learned, he said the more convinced. He says he didn't understand theological words like the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But what he understood is that deep down inside he realized that he was a sinner and that he needed a Savior. And so the day came that David asked Jesus Christ to come into his life. Thank God. This family then took David to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And they said, you're going to enjoy this. We're going to take you to a meeting that's led by a woman named Catherine Kuhlman. She's meeting in the Shriners Auditorium. Catherine Kuhlman is deceased now. But that woman had a tremendous anointing in her life. People were healed. Lives were changed. Pastor Lisi that used to be on our staff, he was healed of spina bifida in her meetings. So they took David, this wide-eyed kid, they took him to these Catherine Kuhlman meetings, and he experiences the awesome anointing in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and he sees signs and wonders. He sees crippled people walking, and he sees God doing all kinds of things. And at that point in time, David told me he knew that God had called him to be a pastor. And so David began to prepare for the ministry, and he became the pastor of a free Methodist church. And he pastored several congregations in Michigan. And then David got real hungry for God. And, 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 and he talked to some of his pastor friends. And they says, well, you know, just keep on praying. But then he heard about something called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He heard about that you could have a personal prayer language and that, that prayer language would give you a direct contact with God and, and that, 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 that your understanding would not be involved, but you could pray the thoughts of your heart and the Holy Spirit would pray through you. And he began seeking God and David got baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see, David had confessed with his mouth what he believed in his heart and he got born again he got saved and david learned a principle about faith i'll never forget him sharing this with me he said terrell faith in god is believing the promises of god with your heart and speaking the belief with your mouth think about that faith in god is believing the promises of god there are over seven thousand promises in this book And we used to sing a song that said, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I'm standing on his promises divine. Every promise in the book is mine. And he said, faith in God is finding a promise and believing it in your heart and then speaking it with your mouth. Mark 11, 22. Let's look at what Jesus said. Mark 11, 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. He didn't say have doubt in God. It's easy to have doubt, isn't it? Because we've got a sin nature to deal with. (laughs) He didn't say be skeptical about God. He said, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, 
be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. When Kathy and I first started off in the ministry, the old devil used to whisper to our hearts and says, nothing's going to work out. You might as well give up. God isn't going to provide for you. You guys are going to be failures. But we learned something, and it took us a while to learn it. But we learned that this word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And we learned that we could speak God's word. And, and when we spoke God's word, that we caused the powers of darkness to actually flee. You know, when Jesus was tempted by the devil, he didn't say, jump back, Jack, I'm the son of God. Who do you think you are tempting me? He simply said, it is written. And there's something powerful when you determine that you're going to respond to a satanic attack or a difficulty in life or whatever it is. There's something powerful that happens when God's word begins to come out of your mouth. Hallelujah. You know, when Kathy and I were living in Virginia, I was in graduate school and we had borrowed money to, to, to live on and go to school on and she was working and I was working part time, but we were not making nearly enough money to live on. And I remember the day came that all the money we borrowed was gone. And, and we had, I had needed to pay tuition and we had other bills and, you know, we needed a minimum. We, we needed about $1,500, but we needed a minimum of $1,000. And we needed it fast. And we had $200 to our name. And it was a Thursday night. And our church had something special going on. And they were trying to raise some money. And so we, we had already tithed off that money. We had given 10% off, off that money already. So we figured, hey, this is ours now. We can do what we need to do. But I remember I was challenged in my heart by the Spirit of God to give $100. We only had 200 and we needed a whole bunch more than that. So I gave, Kathy and I wrote a check, and we gave to our church $100. That was on a Thursday night. On Friday, all these doubts, you were crazy, you were dumb. How stupid can you get and still breathe? I mean, the old devil will say things like that to you. You know it's not God because you've just trusted him. You've just given into his kingdom. So we battled these thoughts, and Friday night I got a call, and a man asked me if I would like to preach for a little group of people. They were, they were starting a new church. There was 12 members. He said, you probably won't get an offering. And I said, man, I would, I would pay if I could get to go preach. So I went and showed up on Sunday morning, and there was Kathy and me and 12 people. Man, I preached my heart out. At the close of that service, let me tell you, we were meeting, actually, one of them owned a, owned a hotel that was on the Atlantic Ocean in Virginia Beach, and we met in a penthouse on top of the hotel. And what I learned is because we're sitting in a great big living room, and people were facing the ocean, and I noticed that when the dolphins or the surfers came out that I lost my, my 12 people, you know, they were... They were, so, so, I, so we ended up seating them differently, so their backs were to, the, to that plate glass window. But at the close of that service that morning, those people came to me and they said, Pastor, or they said, Terrell, we're sorry this isn't more, but here's a $500 check. Folks, I, that'd be a nice offering today. Back then, it was 1979, it was a huge offering. Now, we had given our $100 on Thursday night. 
on Sunday. Then they said, would you and Kathy have a seat in this room and we just need to talk about something for a minute. And I thought, I don't know what they're talking about, but we sat down and then they called us in there and they says, we've just had a meeting and we'd like for you to become our pastor. Would you do that? And they says, we're not sure. We don't think we can pay you much, but how about $500 a week? How about $25,000 a year? I said, well, I need to pray about this. Uh, Kathy and I became their pastors. Okay, I, I, I needed. Remember, I'm, I've got the, the, the pressures on me. I got bills that are due and past due, and I got tuition that's due. On Monday, nothing happened, but on Tuesday, we opened the mail, and there was a letter from Barry and Elfie Norris. Barry and Elfie live in Saint, out from St. Augustine. They come over here periodically and join us for, for services. And, and, and Barry and Elfie sent us a letter, and they put a check for $500. Now, folks, they were not wealthy people. They, you know, Barry made his living. He was a mechanic, and when, and when all the cars started getting computer systems, it really hurt his business. And so he started, he worked on farms. He would go out into the farm fields and repair tractors when they broke down. That's how he made his money. And Elpie had a fruit stand, a fruit and vegetable stand. And here they take $500. They wrote a note. They said, we were praying last week and we hadn't been around these guys in years and years, but they, they wrote a letter and they said, we were praying last week and last Friday about noontime. We felt like the Holy Spirit impressed on our heart that you guys have a financial need. And we feel like we're to send this to you. We love you, Barry and Elfie. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, we could have called my parents. We could have called Kathy's parents. But we had already borrowed about all we could get from them. Beyond the truly. I mean, they, would, they, would have, they wouldn't want us to starve. They would have helped us. But the Bible says the only place we're, we're told in the Bible to try God is in this matter of giving and receiving. He says, try me and see if I'll not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that, we, that you cannot hold at all. Now look at me. What did we do? We believed God's word and we acted on God's word and we spoke our faith and not our doubt. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Look at this. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Look at that. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Everybody say that with me. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Why is that? Why does God say, why, why does God say you can't please me without faith? I'll tell you why. Because God wants you and me to exercise faith because God wants you to be blessed. Ooh, some of you didn't get it. Yeah. God wants you to exercise faith because God wants you to be blessed. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. See, folks, faith is not hope, and hope is not faith, but, but hope is part of faith, and it's easy to get them confused. Sometimes we'll say stuff like, well, I hope God answers my prayer. I hope God 
heals this cancer. I hope God heals this heart condition. I hope God helps me get a new job. I hope this and I hope that. And it's good to have hope. Jesus Christ is the hope of glory. You got to have hope, folks. It's good to have hope, but don't confuse hope with faith because hope is always future tense. Faith is present tense. Faith is not looking to the future. Faith is looking to the now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And, and, and I realize that faith is the evidence of things not seen. And I've had people say to me, well, I'm not going to believe it unless I can see it. Any of you from Missouri? The show me state. I'm not believing is seeing. Well, folks, this world is filled with things that you can't see. And they're real. Right now, you cannot, look at that chair you're sitting in. You'll see some plastic and you'll see some fabric. Look at it. Come on, look at it really. Look at that thing. You cannot with your naked eye see the molecular structure of that chair. You cannot see the neurons and the protons that are shooting around the atoms and that are inside the molecules that are holding the fabric of that chair together. But I'm telling you, it's true and it's real because if not, you'd be sitting on your backside. There's all kinds of things. This room right now is filled with cellular signals. Just uh, turn your phone off or turn it on mute, please. This is a true story. When I was pastoring in Illinois, we had a, a we, we really encouraged everybody, bring your friends to church, especially those that don't know the Lord. Bring them to church. And so this lady had been working on her good friend who was a very successful real estate agent to come to church. And so lo and behold, she came to church and they sat right here on the second row, right where you guys are. So we're less than 20 feet apart. I'm preaching away and suddenly a cell phone goes off and it's loud. And this dear lady did not want to miss out on one of her real estate clients. And so what she did is she got down on her knees and she said, hello. The problem is that everybody in the room could hear her conversation. And I didn't try to preach over her. Don't do that, okay? If, if you've got a call, you absolutely have to take. There, j- j- just step right outside, okay? But, I, but I'd encourage you to, to, to turn it off or, or mute it during service. But see, you can't see those signals, can you? This room is filled with broadcast signals right now. You can't see those radio waves and those radio signals that are in this room right now, but you don't even know they're here unless you got a receiver. And if you got a receiver, you can turn it on and you can pick it up. And folks, I'm telling you, just because you don't see your healing doesn't mean healing's not a reality. Just because you can't see your answer to prayer doesn't mean your answer to prayer is not a reality. Just because you can't see... Your breakthrough doesn't mean the breakthrough is not there. Just because you can't see with your, with, with, with your five physical senses or sense what God is doing in the super. See, he's, he's great about bringing this super to our natural and we see the supernatural take place. Just because you can't see your new job doesn't mean that God doesn't have that new job for you. Come on. 
Romans 8 verse 11 says, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in where? Come on. In the, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in where? In me. Where does the spirit of God dwell? In Christians. In real believers in Jesus Christ. Well, folks, if the power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and me, that means we don't have to pray the power down and act like God's a million miles away. Oh, God, oh, God, please, please, please. Oh, God, I desperately got to have a breakthrough. Oh, God, please, please, I beg you, I please. Oh, God, oh, God, I want you to hear me. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I'm not saying... I'm not saying there aren't times that you and I have to just press in in prayer, but usually we have to press in in prayer because we're having to pray through our emotions. Come on, we're having to pray through the junk that's in our mind, in our will, and our emotions. Sometimes we're having to pray through the unbelief that's in our emotions. But you're not praying because God's a thousand or a million miles away. God, Jesus said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. To get your faith working, you got to start off by saying, God, I know you are inside me. And you don't always feel the Holy Spirit. You're not going to always sense the presence of God. You know, the reason that there's, there, there's something inside you that likes to come to church and it likes to sing and it likes to give God glory. The, there's something inside you that loves to hear the word of God taught and preached. There's something inside you that loves to, 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 to give God glory and praise. That's because you're born again. Human spirit is where the Holy Spirit lives and the Holy Spirit likes that stuff. And the more you spend time in his presence, the easier it is to pray. Glory to God. Mm, it just feels good. You know, we're sitting up here, we're singing, sickness can't stay any longer because perfect love is casting out fear. You are the God of my our all power. And it... I lift my eyes to the heavens. You're doing good. Sickness can't stay any longer because perfect love is casting out fear. See, it feels good. Something feels good on the inside. That's the Holy Ghost on the inside. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Therefore, when we pray, Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Here's our problem. So many times we'll pray and we'll pray about our problems and we tell God all about our problems as if he didn't know about them. And then we think we've done our praying. 
Well, there's a sense, folks, where it's appropriate for us to cast all our care upon the Lord because he cares for us. That's what 1 Peter 5, verse 7 says. It says, rolling or casting all your cares upon the Lord. God's got big shoulders. Jesus has big shoulders. You can put all your burdens, all your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. But I'm going to tell you something. The prayer of faith is a whole lot more than just that prayer of committing all your cares to the Lord. I've got back in my office, I've got a flip chart. And and this week, I I thought I'm going to write down the top 10 things that are bugging me. The top 10 things that are, I'm losing emotional energy about, and, and one of them was personal, and nine of them had to do with the church. And, 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 and the very first thing is, is that our roof is continuing, is continuing to rust and look horrible. Do you know that we've had the roof on this, on this building, we've had it painted twice in the last seven years, and the last time the, 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 the paint company, they repainted it at no cost to us, they said there was a, a default in the paint. But, 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 but now they've told us we're not going to repaint anything at all. And we're talking about $120,000. And it's $120,000 we don't have. And, 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 and James Bruner, wave your hand, James. James is an attorney, and he's been writing letters for us. And, folks, we don't want to take this company to court. We don't want to have to do that. But they're, 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 they've already told us we're not going to do anything about your situation. And so, so, so I just, I wrote that down. That was the number one thing. I won't go through the other things I wrote down, but that was the number one thing I wrote down. And it's important, number one, to cast your care on the Lord. Give him that burden. You and I can't carry him anyway. Might as well give him to him, but we can't stop there. At some point in time, I've got to start exercising faith. What's everything you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. And I've got to start desiring I already know what I desire. I desire to get this thing resolved and get a good fresh coat of paint on this on this roof and to see this thing taken care of and, and to see the money, if we, if we have to pay for it, then the money to take care of it or however it's supposed to get resolved. I want it to get resolved. And I, so I wrote down a scripture next to it, Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now stay with me. That scripture is in the future tense, so it's hope. My God shall, my God shall. I began to start declaring, my God is meeting every need for evangel assembly of God. This need is met. We've got plans drawn to, to, to do more bill out over in the education building. That, that, that building was built back in 1971. We've got plans to tear down some walls and do some new buildings. Architects have been working on it. Our board's been talking about it, but we only need one hundred fifty to $250,000 to pull it off. We just don't have the wherewithal to do it. So, I, so you know what I did is I wrote Philippians 4.19 right there beside the thing that I listed. See, I cast my care upon the Lord, but then it's important that I get over here in faith and say, God, you are going to take care of this need. God, the, 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 you own the cattle on a thousand hills. <laughs> you say you will supply all our need according to your riches and glory. Father, I give you praise and I give you glory. So then I just start having a Jericho march around my office. I, I just come in here sometimes and I'll just have a Jericho march and I'll start proclaiming the promises of God and I'll start speaking to my mountain. Dear ones, you're not supposed to talk to God about your problems nearly as much as you talk to your problems about your God. Folks, just close your eyes right now all over this house. 
with your eyes. I want you to see. Come on, the eyes of faith. I want you to see the anointing and the power of God coming upon your body. I just want you to see it. Sometimes you've got to see it before you see it. I want you to see it with the eyes of faith. <laughs> you say, Terrell, you're weird. Well, I, I may be, but I've seen God work time and time and time again. Just close your eyes. Say, Lord, I, I thank you. I just see the anointing. I, I just, just start welcoming the Holy Spirit right now. Come on, all over this house. Just say, Lord, I welcome the Holy Spirit. I welcome the Spirit of God. I welcome the Holy Ghost. See, we just need to quit begging God. and We just need to take a stand on his word and take a stand on what he's already done and declare by his stripes, I am healed. I'm not asking to be healed in the future. By his stripes, I am healed now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.